Well, thanks, Pastor Stephen. It is good to be with you all again. Uh, got a chance to chat with some of you in between the earlier service and this service. Uh, do stop by the table as Pastor Steve invited you. Uh, there's some information out there in addition to the books about our, our ministry. And uh, more than anything else, uh, I want to get a chance to, to meet you all individually if we can. And uh, uh, we can't do a thing without your prayer. So if you will, after the service this morning, if the Lord should move you in that direction, if you'd like to pray for our ministry. There's two prayer put pads on the table, and if you'll put your name on there saying, Joe, I'll be praying for you and for your ministry, I will commit to get out to you my monthly prayer letter so that you know what's happening with our ministry. And as I said, I'd love to get a chance to meet you, so stop by the table after the service. I'm going to share a little bit about myself this morning. It says on the bulletin, the God's plan for Israel, really that's God's heart for Israel. And I, I, I really want to... Focus on that this morning, because I think when we look at God's heart for Israel, we recognize it's his heart for all of us as individuals, his heart for the nations, and that he has a special uh, blessing through Israel that he's brought to to all of us this morning. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, I want to share a little bit about my own uh, journey, and uh, I would love if we had time to hear hear all of your journeys, because I think when we share testimonies, we really are reminded that we have a living God who changes lives today. As you pray for my ministry, please do pray for my wife, Beth. Uh, she served for many years as an executive director of a crisis pregnancy center and now travels all over Canada training crisis pregnancy directors and developing curriculum. So uh, she, uh, like me, sometimes we're waving at the airport to each other. So you can pray for both of our ministries together. We have two grown daughters, uh, Jessica and Sarah. One is a nurse and the other was working on a, a master's in England this year. So uh, do keep our family in prayer. Well, let's have a word of prayer and then I want to get into the word this morning. Abba, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this Lord's Day that reminds us of the miracle of resurrection and new creation. And so, Father, I pray that this morning that we would not leave this place without coming face to face with the living one, Jesus. May he touch us even as he touched those early disciples so that our hearts would burn and our eyes would be open and our hearts aflame with his love and with his grace so that we might go from this place to bring that blessing to those around us who need so much to know of the love of Jesus. And we pray it B'Shem Yeshua in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about our ministry this morning. Stop by the table. We are one of the oldest ministries to the Jewish people in the, in the world. We are around the world right now in 14 countries, including Canada, the United States, Israel. Uh, I'm leading a tour to Israel of uh, 21 Canadian people are coming with me in two weeks. My wife and I are taking a group over to see Israel through Jewish eyes. If you've never been to Israel, it is life-changing. It will change how you see the scripture. Uh, if you're interested in the prayer letter, put Israel next to it. doesn't commit you to go, but it means uh, I'd like to hear more about Israel programs. We do short-term mission trips to Israel. We sent a, a team two years ago. We're working on a Canadian team for this coming summer. They'll come alongside our Israel staff and uh, help them out through uh, uh, service, through uh, doing things like painting, helping with outreach, beach outreach in places like Tel Aviv. And you'll get a chance to see Israel, and you can raise your support. So if you can't afford normally to go to Israel, it's a great way to go and to serve in Israel. So both opportunities are great Israel ministry opportunities. 
As I've shared before, we were founded by an Orthodox Jewish rabbi who came to faith in Jesus, searching for the Messiah, a Gentile, excuse me, a Gentile believer in New York City, preaching the gospel in the streets, uh, took a hold of, of Rabbi Cohn's heart, and he knew that this was the Messiah he was searching for. And I share his story because a lot of times people will hear me speak about the ministry and say, but I'm not Jewish. I wish I could do what you do, but I'm not Jewish. Well, you know, God uses our witness to all the nations, and not only to the, to the Jewish people, but to all the nations. You have neighbors, whether they are Jewish or Gentile, who need to know about the love of Jesus. And we're going to talk a little bit about the, that this morning. Do you know most Jewish people who come to faith in Jesus don't come to faith through Jesus through the testimony of, of a Jewish person like myself, but through the testimony of a Gentile person who, like a famous Jew by the name of Shaul, the Apostle Paul said, made them jealous for what they had. They looked at you and they said, man, how come you're so peaceful when the world is falling apart? How come you have such an infectious joy when the world seems to be such a tragic and sad place? And then when they ask that, you have the right, having built that friendship and that trust to say, let me tell you the secret of my peace and my joy. It comes because I know your Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, the Lord of the universe. So um, uh, let me encourage you in that this morning. I want to ask you a question this morning before we look at the scripture. It's a good question to ask every morning. What has Jesus done for you? What has Jesus done for you? And as I said, I love to hear people's testimonies because sometimes, especially if you've been walking with the Lord for many years, maybe you grew up in a Christian family, it's easy to take the miracle of our faith for granted. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He said, Remember, you were dead in your trespasses. Now, I spent a lot of years as a pastor, and as a pastor, you're, you're blessed to be invited into people's joys and people's sadnesses, and, and many times you're asked to officiate, as I did yesterday, at, at a memorial service. And in all those years officiating at memorial services, and Pastor Steve can, can confirm this, I never saw, you know, they, the, the, the tradition is you bring the, the casket in, I don't want to be morbid this morning, they bring the casket in at the beginning of the service, and at the end of that service they carry it back out again, and in all those services, I never saw a situation where at the end of the service, the casket opened up, and the person said, wait a minute, fellas, let me help you carry this back out again. At the resurrection we'll see that, but not this side of the resurrection. I've never seen it before. So when Paul describes our situation apart from Jesus and says, remember, you were dead in your trespasses, he's being very specific about the fact that we needed a Savior to save us. We couldn't do it on our own. And then he goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy raised us up. He made us alive. Now think about that this morning. Think about this. It's an amazing thing to think about as we go on in worship this morning. You and I are miracles of God. If you belong to Jesus this morning, you're a miracle. We were dead. We were running as far away as we could from the Lord. And He took us in His bonds of love, took us by the scruff of the neck, pulled us back to His beautiful heart, and He raised us up and made us alive. We're miracles this morning if we belong to Jesus. Not only that, but when you think about what God has done for you, what Jesus has done for you. As Paul says, we have a debt of gratitude, not only to God, but to Israel. You may be saying, well, I get the part about God, but what about Israel? Why should I have a debt of gratitude to Israel? What have they done for me? Well, think about it. Do you love the Bible this morning? Do you love the Word of God? 
God used, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jewish messengers, many of whom laid their lives down, to write this down and to bring this message that first generation of believers in Yeshua and Jesus were all Jewish believers who went out and most of them died, laid their lives down as martyrs to bring this good news to the nations. So this morning, if you belong to Jesus, you have a debt of gratitude to Israel. We're going to talk about that in a second. I want to look this morning at those first few verses that, that, that Rabbi Shaol, that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans. So if you've got a Bible this morning, turn to, to Romans 11, and we're going to look at the first few verses of that chapter. Now as we look at these verses, I believe that we see in these verses that Paul was dealing with a, a pastoral issue. Now, you may be saying, Joe, you're mixed up. This is not Paul's pastoral letter. This is his great doctrinal letter to the Romans. And yes, that's true. It's a great doctrinal piece. But here in the middle of this masterpiece, Paul pauses in Romans 9, 10, and 11 to deal with what I believe was not only a pastoral issue, but an issue of the heart, an issue which shows us clearly the very heart of God. And here's the issue he was dealing with. He saw this great, this man we call the, 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 the missionary to the Gentiles. This Jewish believer went out at, a, at risk to his own life to bring this good news. And he saw that all, in Rome all these Gentile believers were coming to faith in the Messiah of Israel. And he rejoiced in that. This was a wonderful thing, a miracle. But he could see that as these people came to faith that they had a question on their lips. And that question went something like this. Paul, we've noticed something. First of all, we're thankful, we're grateful that you came. You know, he describes us where he was shipwrecked. He he was thrown into jail. He was beaten for the sake of the gospel. And I'm sure they were appreciative of that. Thank you for coming all this distance from your homeland to come and bring the good news of Yeshua to us. But we've noticed that a strange thing, not too many of your own people, your mishpacha, your, your, your kinsmen, believe what you believe. In fact, they're pretty hostile about it, aren't they? And we could say the same thing today. Less than 1% of the Jewish people worldwide believe in Jesus. And there's lots of reasons for that. We don't have time to go into it today. History, the evil one blinding their eyes, the whole bit. It's all part of it. So they were asking, they were saying, you know, Paul, if that's the case, has God rejected Israel? Has God rejected Israel? And what we see is that Paul had to hit hard at this issue because it went to the very character of God. You see, there was another question which they couldn't ask. And here was the second question. If God has given up on Israel because for 2,000 years, send us your Messiah, send us a Savior, He sends His Son, and most of Israel rejects Him. At least the leadership did, right? So if He's given up on Israel, the next question is, well, what about us? What about us? Do you see how it goes to the very character of God? How many chances do we get? Is it two strikes and you're out? Three strikes and you're out? How many times when I mess up, till God says, if He rejects Israel, He rejects us too? You know, ask yourself, has the church been faithful for 2,000 years? Of course we haven't. We're made up of sinners saved by grace, by the mercy of God. But even when we are totally faithless, God is faithful. And that's the amazing thing that Paul is hitting on so hard here. Don't forget that God is faithful. God is faithful. So let's listen to what he says. He says this. He says, I say then, has God cast away his people, Israel? God forbid. I am myself an Israelite. He's showing himself as exhibit A. 
We could do the, I could do the same thing this morning. I'm a Jewish believer. There are others of us out there. The seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says about Elijah? He's using an example from the Hebrew scriptures. How Elijah made intercession to God against Israel. And he said this, he said, Lord, they've killed your prophets. They've dragged down your altars and it's just me left alone. And now they're trying to kill me too. Do you ever feel like that some days? It's called the Elijah complex. We act like we're the only ones left. The whole world is, is going to hell in a, in a bread basket. And, and, and it's only a few of us Christians. Maybe it's just you and me left. And God reminds Elijah, wait a minute, Elijah, I'm still in charge. No need to despair. He says, what was his answer? God's answer to him was, I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, at the present time, there is a remnant according to election of grace. And if by grace, then it's no longer by works. Otherwise, grace would not be grace. For if it be by works, then it is not by grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now think about that this morning. Think about what Paul is is talking about there. This beautiful, amazing gift that we've been given. I think if Paul were writing that letter today, he would ask another question, not just the question of have the Jewish people been rejected, but he would ask a more, what I think is a more dangerous question that we see in the church today, and that's the question, do the Jewish people even need the gospel? Do the Jewish people even need Jesus? There are people, unfortunately, even people, not just liberals, people among evangelicals who are now saying, well, the Jewish people will be saved their way, And we as Christians will be saved according to our covenant. Have you heard people say that? It's called dual covenant theology. And it's it's false. It's false. Here's the problem with it. The evil one likes to use a grain of truth to distort things. There is a grain of truth in it. If the Jewish people perfectly obeyed the covenant that was given to them through Moses at Sinai, then yes, they would not need a Redeemer. But I don't know about you, what happens in your life and in your house, but I'm I'm a Jewish man. I can speak for that. I know what's in my heart. I know that this Jewish man hasn't obeyed the law. I break it all the time. Not only that, but when I look at the history of my people, I recognize there's only been one Jewish man who ever perfectly obeyed the law, and his name was Yeshua, Jesus. So Jews, like Gentiles, need a Redeemer. Not only that, but the scripture doesn't allow us that option of the Jews one way and the Gentiles another way. In fact, we see it consistently throughout the scriptures. God is faithful in spite of Israel's faithfulness. The whole, the whole Hebrew scriptures is a picture of God's love letter to Israel. Israel, I haven't chosen you because you're bigger than the other nations or you're more lovely than the other nations. We could go on to say smarter than the other nations, Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, I've chosen you because of my great love. Because of my great love. So when we look at the sign of Israel, we should rejoice. God is faithful. He hasn't forgotten. Not only that, but we see this theme going on through the Brit Harashah, through the New Testament. What do we see there? We see the same question raised. Let me give you an example. A Jewish believer by the name of Shimon, Simon Peter was preaching in Jerusalem. 
And as often happens when, when, when Holy Spirit preaching is taking place, people were getting convicted. There was a large crowd there in Jerusalem. And what was that crowd? That crowd was all Jewish people. Acts chapter 4, and as he's preaching, they get convicted. And they say, well, what, what must we do to be saved? And Peter answers them. He says, repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua, because there is no other name under heaven or on earth by which we must be saved. Very clear there, right? These were Jewish people speaking to a Jewish preacher, and he says there is no other way. We need Jesus. Later on, as I said, the, the, the word of God goes out to all the nations. That was his heart, every tribe. And every, I love that verse from the, from the book of Revelations, that, that he has purchased by his blood people from every tribe and every tongue and every, every, every nation. Isn't that amazing? It's all of us. That's the, the love of God. It couldn't be held into one nation. It went out. And he drew people from every tribe and every nation to himself. And so these Jewish leaders in the church in Jerusalem are saying, now what do we do? All these Gentiles are getting saved, right? Acts chapter 15. And they got together and they prayed in the Holy Spirit. They were wondering, you know, do they have to, do they have to dress like us according to Jewish custom? Do they have to keep the Jewish laws? Do they, do they have to sing Jewish hymns and, and eat Jewish foods just like us in order to be saved? It's a mistake we all make sometimes, right? They've got to look just like us and sing just like us to be Christians, right? And thank God the Holy Spirit broke the walls down and said, oh, no, 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 no. They're saved, the Gentiles, just like we're saved, the Jews, by grace through faith in the work that Jesus Christ has done. Amen. And that's good news this morning, isn't it? That we're all saved the same way, Jew and Gentile alike, we all need Jesus. So if we've settled that, let me share three quick things with you this morning that I think are an important part of the blessing of sharing in the heart of God. An important reason why we need to share the gospel with all people, not just the Jewish people. Number one, when we share the gospel with the Jewish people, we are sharing in the very heart of God. As I said, when we, if you do an overview of the Hebrew Scriptures, it's a, it's a love note. Again and again we see that theme in spite of the fact that Israel is a stiff-necked people, in spite of the fact of Israel's sin, in spite of the fact of Israel's rebellion, we see again and again God saying, Israel, I have loved you. Israel, I have chosen. Jacob, my beloved, I will never forget you. If you want to see the heart of God for Israel, look at Jesus himself. Jesus himself, only days before he goes to that terrible cross to die for you and for me. And I don't know about you, but in the flesh, if I were Jesus, I would have about had enough with Israel at that point. Like, that's it. I'm giving up this whole Messiah bit. I'm going back to Nazareth where it's quiet and I can just work on my, on my woodwork there. It sounds pretty good to me. But what do we see? We see Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives. Beautiful spot where you can see the, the rise of the city below to this day. And he stands there and... Jesus is brokenhearted. He weeps. He weeps over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who slayed the prophets. How often I've longed to gather you under my wings like a mother hen gathers her chicks. What a tender, beautiful picture that is. But you would not have it. You want to see the heart of God? Look at our Jesus. 
He loves the people of Israel and he's never forgotten them. He's coming back to that very spot on the Mount of Olives to gather his people, people from every nation, every tribe to himself on that glorious day. When we share the gospel with the Jewish people, we are sharing in the very heart of God. Secondly, we are sh- when we share the gospel with the Jewish people, we are doing so in obedience to his commandments. Jesus says this, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Matthew 28, he gives the great commission to go out to make disciples of every nation, of every ethnos, every, every people group. And we see that repeated in Acts, that it's to begin in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Sometimes when we look at churches and their mission budgets, it's like we've forgotten the Jerusalem part of it. Even the great Apostle Paul, who was known rightly so as the Apostle, the missionary to the Gentiles, always went first to his people. He writes in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation. And sometimes we stop that verse right there, but he goes on to say, to the Jew first and also to the nations. Paul's heart was broken for his people. Brethren, my heart and my prayer is that Israel might be saved, he writes in Romans 10. And he goes on to say, would, would that I, I could lose my own salvation, I would be cursed if it would mean that my people could be saved. That's how deeply broken hearted the apostle was for his people's salvation. Finally, as we share the gospel with the Jewish people, we are participating in the covenantal blessings of God. If we go back to Genesis 12, when God made his covenant with Abraham, God said to Abraham, Abraham, out of your descendants I will create a great nation. And out of that nation, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Now think about that this morning. That's where we started. What has Jesus done for you? Isn't that amazing? God is faithful to his covenantal promises. This morning, if you belong to Jesus, if you belong to the Messiah of Israel by grace through faith, God has been faithful to what he said to Abraham all those thousands of years ago, that through Israel, you would be blessed. He knew about you. He wrote you on the palm of his hand on the day he promised that to Abraham. And he goes on to say, Abraham, whoever blesses Israel, I will bless. Whoever curses Israel, I will curse. And we've seen this repeatedly throughout the history of humankind. Nations rise and fall, and empires fall, rise and fall. But there's little Israel. It makes absolutely no sense that Israel would still exist except for the grace of God, except for his sign to the nations that I have not forgotten. I have not forgotten my promises. And if it's true that whoever blesses Israel will be blessed, then think about it this morning. What greater gift, what greater blessing have we been given than the gift of Messiah, the gift of new life and resurrection and forgiveness of our sins? What greater gift and blessing can we bring back to Israel, to the Jewish people, than the knowledge and the faith of Messiah that we've been given? Let me close with a story this morning. It's, it's my story. If I had lo- longer time, I'd share my whole testimony. I was raised in a conservative Jewish home. My grandparents on both sides were, were Orthodox Jews, and I'm very thankful for that. It gave me a, a foundation and a way of seeing the Scripture that I'm, I will always be thankful for. My birth parents were killed in a car accident when I was quite small. 
And I was adopted at the age of two and a half. And actually, that was my first conscious memory. Maybe God wiped out the trauma of those early events. And so at the age of two and a half, I remember coming home to the parents who were my parents, raised in that Jewish home. And from the time I was small, one of the most important people in my life was my grandmother, an Orthodox Jew. I learned more from my grandmother about prayer and about faith and about charity than perhaps anyone else when I was a young man. Very thankful for that. Around the time of my bar mitzvah, around 13, as I was studying for the bar mitzvah, I was not only learning the prophetic passage, but I've always loved to sing. So I learned the whole liturgy, which is about three hours long. And as I studied the liturgy, all I can say is the Lord himself spoke to my heart. And I knew without a doubt that it was Jesus, that Jesus was the Messiah of Israel that I was looking for. And I remember getting a hold of a, my first copy of the New Testament. No one had witnessed to me. I got my first copy of the New Testament, and I was reading it clandestinely with a flashlight under the, under the blankets here as a young teenager. I know it's a strange, strange young kid. Most uh, young boys are looking at something else under the blankets. But I, 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 was just, I was absolutely in love with this person of Jesus. He absolutely captured me. He was, he was answering all of my questions. And I remember going to tell my dad, my dad who was a, a Ph.D. in physics, a brilliant man who when missionaries would come to our door. He wouldn't say we're Jewish, leave us alone. He would invite them in and debate them. So I went and told my dad, Dad, I found the Messiah and he's Jesus. Well, he was not too thrilled about that. In fact, he brought out a whole bunch of books and said, I want you to read these books. You'll see what a lot of nonsense that is and we'll talk about it further. Kind of intimidating for a 14-year-old at that point, but I can look back and see that God was was preparing me for for what he was preparing in my life at that point. There were many years when my dad and I couldn't even speak peaceably together, but I am thankful that towards the end of his life, he began to write, and he began to write biblical novels, and it was a way for us to connect again. He never believed what I believed, but he would say, come and we'll, we'll look at the text together. And I had an opportunity to pray with my dad before he, before he passed away. So I'm grateful for that. I have no assurance that, that he received faith, but uh, I'm thankful that there was peace made. And pray for my mom. My mom is 85 years old, still alive, and uh, she still needs the Lord. She uh, may not listen to me, but she'll talk to other people. God sends in health care workers into her midst, and, and she'll brag about me. She'll, my son's a minister. You know, like, she won't tell me that, but she'll tell them. And, and they share the gospel with her. So God's got a great sense of humor. Anyway, you can pray for my mom. But there was a piece of it that I only learned in the last 10 years. I mentioned my Orthodox Jewish grandmother. It's a story that I heard only recently that on the day they brought me home, that was the day I first met my grandmother. And I have no memory of it. I remember going home, but, and I remember what a dear woman she was in my life. But they say that on the day they brought me home, my grandmother was there, and she came and she looked at me as only a, a Jewish grandmother can, and she bent down and she, she pinched my cheeks and she said, she said in Yiddish, I shayna kindle, what a beautiful little boy. And then she said, can he sing? And I've always loved to sing. So they said, sing your grandmother a song. They tell me the song that I sang for her that day was this. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I'm sure their first reaction was, we got to teach that little boy some new music. But I, t- I share that story with you not because it's just a cute story. But think about it for a second. As I said, my parents were killed in a car accident, and I survived it. I was recovering in a hospital and then in a foster home for a few months before I was adopted. There must have been someone in that hospital, in that foster home, who saw this scared little Jewish boy, perhaps a nurse, perhaps a health care worker, somebody who was there, a social worker, or someone who believed in Messiah Jesus, and took the time to not only teach me that song, but to love this little Jewish boy. And I believe, although I don't know who that person was, that perhaps they continued to pray for me in the years that followed. And someday, as I said, I don't know who that person was, but someday in glory, I'm going to get the pleasure of getting to meet that person and thank them for what they did. And I share that with you today because you can be that person for somebody else. There's somebody in your community, somebody in your extended family, somebody in the place where you study, in the place where you work, who also needs to know about the love of Jesus, needs to know about the hope that you have. Somebody, whether they're Jewish or Gentile, it really doesn't matter. They need Jesus. Let's pray and thank Him for that today. Abba, Father, thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. Thank you that indeed we are miracles. You've raised us up. You've made us alive in Jesus. And we thank you and praise you today. We give you all the glory for what you've done. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of Jesus. Amen. As the worship team comes back up, I want to close with a blessing this morning. It's the blessing that God gave to Moshe, to Moses, to teach his brother Aaron Acharon to bless the children of Israel with. Ya eraronai panavelecha viyikunecha Yesaronai panavelecha viyisemlecha Shalom May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor, with his grace and grant you his perfect shalom, the peace that only our Prince of Peace, Jesus, can bring. Amen. I wanted to stand for one last song.